hey everybody uh we are back uh we have nick quaranto as our next speaker um let me pull up my note here See, I can cut all this out in post-production, even though it doesn't sound beautiful in front of all of you wonderful people. Uh, so Nick is going to be talking to us about RubyGems next. Um, and uh, just as an introduction, Nick is a programmer, co-working co-founder, and GIF, or GIF, day. He mostly writes Ruby and Swift at Basecamp. And by night, he pretends that he is a short, sturdy creature fond of industry. Um, Nick, you're behind the development effort at rubygems.org, or at least you used to be. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm try I try to be involved as I can. Yep. So I'll let you take it from here, and uh, we'll hear about rubygems.next. Sure. All right, we're going to... I think I'm sharing my screen. Yep. Perhaps. Okay. So if I go here, do we see Keynote? Yep. Okay, cool. Awesome. And if you can still see me in theory, right? This is like the future. We're remote. Um, can you still see me? Yes. I see my camera lights on. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, welcome. Uh, this is a little talk I've been calling rubygems.next. Um, I just gave it at Ruby Nation in DC. It was in Silver Spring, Maryland. So a lot of the a lot of my slides are kind of American themed, which I think fits well. It's almost July Fourth here, uh, so I'm going to roll with it. Um, yeah. So like uh, like was said, uh, I'm uh, still involved with the Ruby Gems project, and I'm going to talk about that and my perspective on it. And um, let's get going. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at QRush. Oh, I should also mention, uh, I'm, I'm full screen right now. If people have questions, um, I'll jump back in after this and we can talk and stuff. But I'm just going to, we're going to go through and then we can go back. I can't see everyone right now. I'm using my fancy remote here. Um, so yeah, if you want to hit me uh, uh, otherwise, I'm QRush on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't kidding about gifts. I have way too many of them. In fact, I think I actually have a problem. I'm like a gift hoarder. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Uh, so I work at what was 37signals, uh, is now Basecamp. Uh, you may have heard of us for Rails and other things. Um, we do project management software. Did we see that beautiful animation? I hope we did. It's beautiful. Um, which project management software is kind of a, it's kind of a boring piece of software to work with. Um, like if you say, hey, I work on project management software to anyone you know who is not a programmer or who is not anything with tech or maybe has never heard of this, these three words together, it's kind of difficult to explain what it is. Um, what we actually do is we help people not lose track of stuff. So instead of doing like reply all or emails or you lose stuff that are sent back and forth to clients or vendors, we keep it all in Basecamp. However, that's kind of like a... That's a boring problem, and I realized that one day, and I realized I really like boring problems. Uh, boring problems are fun to me, which is part of why uh, I think RubyGems is also a really fun, boring problem for me. Uh, it has to do with package management software, which is another set of three words that is also really hard to describe to people. <laughs> uh, but my uh, specific um, angle at 
with RubyGems and with package management software has been with package distribution and publishing. So this is taking uh, a RubyGem, which is a uh, archive of code that you wrote in Ruby and you want to share with the world, and that's distributing it to others. So that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, I want to, we're going to talk about um, my angle on that problem and uh, where things have come from what I've seen from before and forward. Uh, I don't remember why I had this gift. <laughs> I just, I'm going to keep bringing these in. This is usually when I drink water, so we're going to do that. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the past. So we're going to talk about the past, where RubyGems came from, uh, what, uh, what kind of the history of the service is, and why and how distribution started happening for, for RubyGems, and of course complete with super patriotic July 4th themed gifts. Uh, I'm amazed at someone's responsibility solely in life was to make an eagle gif that is rainbow colored. Very fitting for today. Uh, the present, um, where we are now, I'm going to talk about some stats and what's been being worked on for the project right now for, for rubygems.org. Um, I can't speak too much to RubyGems, the client library. Um, perhaps we just heard some. Um, but we're going to talk about where, what some features that are there. And then going forward, the future. So what are we looking at? What am I looking at the next few months to year? And uh, hopefully encourage some more folks to uh, contribute. All right, so the past. Um, RubyGems Pre 1.0 is uh, kind of interesting to dig through for Wikipedia and get commit histories. Um, according to Wikipedia, it started around 2003 or 4 at a Ruby conference. And um, I found this fun quote from Pat Allen, um, his, one of his talks that said, uh, if you've got libraries you want to include with RubyGems, just send them to myself or Rich Kilmer. Just straight up email them. And this was uh, two, two of the guys that created RubyGems along with Jim Weirich. And uh, their names are still all over the, um, the, the commit history. So this I thought was really interesting was like, this is how we handle it. And the thing about it, like if you're just starting something like this, this is probably how I, I would handle it too, right? Uh, just email me. We'll take care of it. And this is kind of ridiculous to think about. It would be a lot of email today. And we're going to see, uh, this is how I develop that software, actually. I just crash into random packages until something useful comes out, you know? Um, so I, I couldn't even imagine what that would be like. Oop. I think we just lost my screen. And Keynote fails. OK. Uh, RubyForge. So after that, um, RubyForge kind of came along. When I came into the Ruby community around 2008, uh, RubyForge was what was being used to distribute gems. And uh, if you don't know what that looked like, it looked like this. Um, it's not alive anymore. Um, it was a PHP app, uh, which I believe was the, G, uh, the GForge um, platform, which was how SourceForge used to run. So it was when SourceForge used to be open source, RubyForge somehow forked it and deployed it. And it had all sorts of features, including what we see here, a code snippet, a gist type thing. It had a job posting. It had actually useful stuff like um, issues and uh, static page hosting and um, downloads in a forum even. And one of the things it did was you could upload a gem file into it. And um, this is one of the things that kind of was weird to me is that when I started looking into RubyGems, figuring out what they were, is you had to go through this site, which kind of looked weird, even for the time, and you had to create a, a new RubyGems 
package, and someone would manually approve it. And that someone was usually Tom Copeland, who was the system administrator for many years uh, for RubyForge. And I actually submitted a, a, a Ruby a, a test gem. Like I just wanted, like, how do I do this? And I got rejected. I think I called it a rafflecopter, and I got shut down. So um, it's kind of funny because that's usually I, that's an avenue now that people kind of they just push something silly or stupid, and it's and they learn a lot from it. So it's kind of it's kind of great now that as we don't need to rely on Tom or anyone else for that matter to just get started publishing some Ruby code. So um, this is where it was, and the crazy thing is that it was even a um, there's a web form that people wrote gems to automate the submission of to publish a gem. So I thought that was kind of weird. Um, around the time that, where I really discovered RubyForge, I wanted, I was kind of looking for an open source project to contribute to. I didn't have a good thread, if, if I can post these slides later, I have a good thread on Reddit from when I was in college that I said, like, I don't know what to do. I want to do open source, but I don't know how or where to go. And um, some of the best advice I got from that thread and from others was, like, you need to find, like, Kind of scratch your itch, and I think that's such a such a you hear that all the time. But like, I was kind of looking for a problem to solve, and it turns out this was a really good one that people weren't super happy with. So um, that's kind of how Gem Cutter was born. Um, I tossed together uh, not this site, of course, uh, GemCutter.com. If you go there now, uh, it's this beautiful tables-driven site since 1990. Um, the mine is my Gem Cutter is from 2009. And it looked more like this. Um, I tossed together some crappy tables and put together three little goals for gem hosting that hopefully would be better than RubyForge. Um, the goal is kind of always to be like the central, um, the central repository for Ruby gems, but I didn't know how to get there. I knew I had three goals though to start, and I hoped that those would get me somewhere. Um, and we're going to see. I'm going to talk about those goals, and we're going to see how they apply to now. Um, so the first goal was uh, I wanted an API to push gems. Uh, I thought that uh, the web scraping to submit a gem was kind of ridiculous. Like we could do better. And one of the things that we could do better at was also writing a Ruby app. So this started, Gem Cutter actually started as two separate Sinatra apps, and I eventually merged them into one Rails app, which it is today. And no one really wanted to, except for Tom and a few other uh, beautiful souls that had the extreme patience to deal with PHP, uh, wanted to work on that app, on that PHP app. So I figured it, not only did it need to be like an open and documented API, but also needed to be in Ruby so we can continue to improve it over time. And that is obviously paid off um, throughout the years. And we're going to look at look at what's been done and what's going upcoming. Like that is paramount to this project is having Ruby being at the core of how we're distributing Ruby code throughout the, throughout the world. Um, the last one was really clear product pages. So one of the nice things about Ruby Forge was that it kind of amalgamated all these different things, like issues and docs and stuff. But not everyone did that. Like the really good, and you can still see there's links to Ruby Forge still. There's um, the good projects you could tell had a project page. They had their docs, they had install instructions, and um, the bad ones didn't, or maybe the obscure ones didn't. So one of the things I wanted to provide was just kind of a homepage for the gem. What version are you looking at? Who wrote it? 
where can I go get the code, uh, where do the docs live. I wanted that for every gen. Every gen deserves it, really. So that was a big goal of the project. And that is still a big part of Ruby's job. Um, in late 2009, I think mid to late 2009, um, I was working at ThoughtBot at the time as an apprentice. Um, and they were very gracious to donate a design to the site, which is was the design up until recently. Um, Kevin Berg of Cinemagraph fame uh, whipped this up for us. And um, I'm a big GIF fan. I wasn't lying. Uh, he started those like really cool Cinemagraph GIFs. Um, or G GIF, GIF? I don't know. Whatever. Um, so this kind of gave a lot of legitimacy, in my opinion, to the site. Also, uh, I'm not, I can't make CSS happen, but man, this looks great. Um, so this is kind of where uh, it started to really gain some steam. And uh, we were lucky to, I was lucky to work with uh, Ruby Central and the Ruby Gems uh, client kind of core team uh, that's mostly based out of Seattle to make what is now rubygems.org. So we decided to kind of merge uh, the two together. Um, and one of the cool things about making RubyGems slash GemCutter the official source is that it really exploded the amount of packages that were being published. So this is from Jeremy Heinegartner's talk in 2010, uh, where he kind of graphed all of the um, gems that had been released thus far since the beginning of RubyForge and since when they stopped emailing gems around. And um, basically in that first, when we did the gem cutter switch over, it caused a huge spike in the amount of gems being published. And there are more gems that were published in that point than, than after that point, but when this talk was given since before gem cutter was published. So like clearly this model works. Um, but I think it's also good, it's also like not to only toot our own horn, um, I think it's good to keep in mind that RubyGems is just a small part of this grand ecosystem, which is open source code distribution. And um, this great site, modulecounts.com, started tracking um, a variety of different package management sites um, starting in 2010. And Ruby is one of those red lines in the middle, uh, kind of tied with uh, Maven. And you can even see Maven is going a little upward. It's the red line. Watch, obviously, um, I don't even need to say obviously it's Node. Uh, the NPM, the Node Package made Manager, uh, JavaScript Package Manager, however, whatever they decide their name is this week, um, that's kind of skyrocketed. So that is that green curve that is way up. Uh, and that's going to be kind of interesting to watch. I'm I've been really inspired by uh, package management systems. Has taken, we've kind of borrowed ideas from each other. And um, it's kind of, Exciting to see this idea of self-publication and trust uh, being used to great effect. I mean, that's just a ton. I mean, geez, I'm sure that way over 150,000 uh, specific modules so far, and we are uh, we will be catching up. Uh, also, I want so also a thing that happened in the past, and I think it's not always we talk a lot about in these kinds of talks about like the good things, everything's so good. Well, not everything is so good all the time. Uh, especially with open source, it's not all uh, bunnies and cat gifts. Uh, one of the things that happened in the past was uh, the exploit gem. Um, this was a gem that we got hacked. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a site being been hacked. It's no fun. Um, I learned a lot about uh, information security and incident response and all these different uh, infosec DevOps words that I had no idea what they were before then, before this happened. 
Um, what someone did was they published a gem that uh, used a vulnerability inside of RubyGems to read these secret files that were sitting in the Rails repo. So every Rails app has these usually. It's stuff like your Amazon keys, your database passwords, and then they posted it to Pastebin. So it's basically your worst nightmare if you run a Rails app. Um, so uh, that caused a lot of havoc. And um, one thing I can't say is uh, there's a thing, another one of these terms called responsible disclosure. And I beg you, if you find an issue like this, be nice. Uh, I was on the bus uh, coming to here, my co-working space in Buffalo, uh, just randomly pulled up Hacker News, and I see this thread, rubygems.org compromised. So please, if you find an issue like this, tell the maintainers privately. Don't post publicly. Um, usually posting publicly is like the last ditch resort of people that are like, like going nuts for attention. But uh, rubygems.org has been for years uh, volunteer run. Uh, no one gets paid to work on the site full time. Uh, as of recently, uh, Ruby Central and the new Ruby Together um, organization has been gathering up funds to pay people to work on the site. But historically, uh, no one has been paid to work on RubyGems.org. So especially if you find an issue in an open source project, tell them privately uh, for other companies. Well, that's, a, that's the whole white hack, white hat, black hat discussion. Um, but please, uh, please do that. Uh, the nice thing about the hack uh, was that we ended up getting a lot of folks involved who were really cared deeply about infrastructure. So one of the nice things is that all of our infrastructure for RubyGems.org, uh, when this happened, we switched it over to AWS. And now we've gone through uh, another iteration of recreating all the chef cookbooks that comprise the um, different boxes that RubyGems.org runs on. And those are all open source. So if you're interested in uh, monitoring any kind of DevOps stuff, any kind of server administration and automation, um, the site that runs the core of distribution for Ruby, Ruby is available for you to check out. So that's a good way to get started if you've never done this kind of chef automation server stuff. It's there for you to look at and play around with. So I think that was a good, like, out of this awful low, we had this good high of people got, were interested and excited about solving this problem for, for uh, the entire community. All right, the present. Eagle gives me. I mean, I mean, I need to take. I need to take a break and admire our beautiful uh, star-spangled, strawberry-looking eagle. Um, I'm happy to share some stats about where we are right now. Um, this is just a good overview of the uh, things that are happening on the site. Uh, there's over 100,000 Ruby gems published, so that's individual names of gems. So that's Rails, Ruby, uh, Rails Bundler. Active record, so those are individual uh, named Ruby gems. Um, obviously, not all of them are millions of downloads, but uh, I think that's awesome to see that there's over 100,000 finally. Uh, of those 100,000, uh, there's over half a million versions of those published. So, version is 0 0.0, 1.0, 3.0, etc. Or some projects have wild versioning names. Reversing schemes. Um, we don't enforce anything with that. Maybe that's a thing we should do. Probably not. Um, <laughs> so that's really cool that of those 100,000, there's over half a million. And um, there's over 91,000 
uh, Randy McGuinn, you get it, the number's there, users of the site there. So that's people that are signed up to publish gems and manage and organize them. So uh, I think this number is really interesting to me because we started with one and then we uh, imported the Ruby Forge database of users, which was, uh, I forget, but um, not this big. So I think this is a good sign that there is people interested in publishing gems, and not just publishing gems, but also kind of being uh, maintainers as well. So they might not be publishing them actively, but at least they are able to be on and share access with others. The only real thing you can do on rubygems.org is kind of publish gems and manage access. So, I mean, people, there's not a social network here. Um, you can sign up, of course, to get updates about gems, but I think the real use case is publishing. Um, and this is the thing that really excites me is that there's over 5 billion B, I think we're almost at 5.4 billion downloads. And that's since we started counting, that's also not counting Ruby Forge. So since we started counting, we have over 5 billion. And that's a few Goggle styles, that's a few um, different YouTube videos, right? So in the grand scheme of things, it's not maybe uh, what you would expect, but for me personally, that's awesome that there's been since we've been keeping track, there's been 5 billion different downloads, so you can thank Bundler for that. Um, going back to that, uh, Jeremy Heingartner, Copious Free Time Talk in 2010. Um, this is what I was talking about uh, in one year of, of RubyGems.org. There were more gems published in five years of, of RubyForge. And at that point in 2010, we were seeing 150 to 200 gems a day pushed. So that's different versions. So that's someone pushing 200 1.0s or 2.0s are not individual gems, but individual versions. Um, I'm happy to say that now, so uh, five years later, we're at 400 plus gems a day on average, which is, that's wild, that we've grown almost 2x since then. Um, I graphed this out uh, from the onset of the data that we have until now, and we've been steadily growing. Um, clearly, this is not a that the hockey stick that you would want to see if we were making money off this, but we're not. And instead, I think this shows a trend, which is clearly that Ruby is here to stay. Ruby is growing. And um, publishing gems is easier and more popular than it ever has been. Um, we've seen a few spikes as well, which have kind of thrown off the averages. You can see one in the middle of 2014 there that I believe was for when um, the Rails assets site pushed like 16,000 in a day, so I kind of threw the, the averages off for that um, for that year. Um, I could get into a whole average versus median thing, but I won't. Um, if we break out these averages year by year, uh, we can see that it's slowly trending upwards. Um, if we took out that big spike in 2014, I think we'd be around 350 to 360. And this year we're on track to be around 380. And we see days where we're above, most weekdays, we're, except for Fridays, I believe, um, we're usually around 400 a day. So that's pretty wild. Um, and these averages are as of uh, just two weeks ago when I pulled this data. So this is a good sign to me that things are continually trending upwards. And I'm really super happy about this. I'm really happy that, that we've got 400 new things a day. This is gold to me. Um, all right. I mean, Going back to that point, uh, just for a minute, just to digress, like even if compared to all those other communities and graphs, even if we taper off in the next two, three years, the five years, if we keep growing, I'll be super happy 
Um, 400 new gems a day, that's a ton of code that's been being released. So I think uh, the Ruby community has a, a lot of momentum going. All right, other stuff that's been happening in the present. New design. Um, last year, I believe, uh, it was earlier this year, my brain is getting worked. Uh, a company in Boston called Dockyard published uh, this new uh, style sheet and um, kind of design spec for the entire site. It's almost like a rebranding, even. Um, it looks great. It works um, beautifully. What's most important now is searching on the, on the homepage, um, which is what most people, that's what I'm doing most of the time, is like, where's this gem? Uh, it looks great. I'm really happy about it. Uh, a nice thing is that it works beautifully on mobile as well, so if you're in a meeting and not paying attention, you can look up your Ruby gems. And um, responsive design, when we originally started in 2009, really wasn't a thing. So like, it's great to have a company that um, also donated their time to uh, redesign this, the site. And this also goes into that other point of we wanted an application and a kind of system that would people would want to work on over the years. And that, also is proven. Um, going back to my other goal of the three goals to um, of the original site was that we still have great clear project pages for each gem. And this is, I think, still one of the most important functions that this site provides. And uh, this is echoed in every other package manage manager that continues out is that you need to have clear and upfront information about what, what the package is. Um, it's also cool as they donated design towards the kind of other sites that are going on in uh, the RubyGems.org ecosystem, such as the guide sites. This is kind of the long-form documentation for RubyGems that I helped start to merge in the old site. Uh, this is just a Jekyll site. So um, it's kind of cool that we have this uniform brand of stuff for, uh, for RubyGems. Uh, I want to talk about a few other tinier features. Um, we've been talking about a lot of big things, but there's little tiny things that make a big difference as well um, that I think are worth our time to explore. So another good one is checksums. Um, every gem that's published now gets published with a SHA-256 checksum of what it is. So you can see if the NSA is watching you or if you've got a bad connection or something else happened on the way over. Uh, sizes. Every gem that's published has how big it is. So usually this isn't a big deal, but uh, maybe it is if you're trying to decide, hey, do I want to vendor these gems? Do I want to store them somewhere? Am I using JRuby? Why is it gem 50 megs? Um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this looks easy at the outset, but um, one of the nice things about uh, RubyGems.org as a open source project is that we're a service. So like, not only do we have all of these different um, individual data points to worry about. Like, it's pretty easy, okay, we get a gem file, how big is it, what's the job? But the team of contributors also went through and backfilled those half a million versions of gems and got all of their sizes and checksums and have been doing maintenance on what is essentially our archive, our catalog of, of all of the gems since 2003. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting, I think that makes this project really interesting is that we have over a decade's worth of stuff to maintain as well. Um, one of the things that we just started offering um, are database dumps. 
uh, you can go to rubygems.org slash pages slash data, and you can get the Postgres uh, data dump of our um, entire database, except for the users table. That would be really bad. Um, so no passwords, sorry. Uh, what you will get, though, is all the RubyGems, all the versions, all the dependencies, and I believe a few other tables, um, like links. So like what links a gem has uh, to documentation, GitHub, et cetera. Um, so if you want to create a graph like I did before, um, or do any kind of data analysis, or just play around with our data set, it's there for you now. And I just put that in the footer of rubygems.org as well. So check out the data page. Um, I believe we have more to add to this. I don't think we want to start providing our Redis data as well. Um, another thing I was working on recently, and this is just kind of a fun problem to talk about, is cleaning up our vendor directory. Um, it sounds like I'm firing a bunch of vendors like for an event or something. Uh, but what it actually is, is um, we have this problem, right? Uh, we have this problem where uh, rubygems.org is a, is a Rails app. And it depends on gems, just like any other Rails app. So the problem is that if rubygems.org is down and I need to deploy rubygems.org, where do I get the rubygems to deploy rubygems.org with? It's kind of like a chicken and egg, of, what's that mythical creature of worms eating each other? Uh, like, wh where, do, where are they? The answer is, and for uh, years, is that we would check in all of the gems that the app depended on and put them inside the Git repo. Fast forward a few years, and we end up with a Git repo that is nearly half of half a gigabyte, almost over half a gigabyte. That's kind of uh, unsustainable, and we kind of knew this for a while. And um, I would, it's no fun to like, hey, I want to try out this project, clone it. And you just sit there for an hour while it just pulls down data forever. Um, luckily, that's fixed now. It's down. It's got cut down to 11 megs. That's beautiful. It's just the uh, code and assets and some docs. Um, none of those binary gem files. Those still exist in Git. We use them in a submodule. So there's a submodule that's full of all the gems when we need them for deploying. That gets updated um, as we do bundle updates just like everyone else. But we still we have this local copy of gems so we can get away with that disaster scenario, which is a scenario that we that we need to account for. Um, so that's kind of a fun little story of the of stuff that is worked on in this kind of context. It's not all it's not all op stuff. We sometimes have clean up maintenance stuff. Um, all right, the future. So where are we going? Uh, what's coming down the pipe? Um, along with sparkly American flags. That's so beautiful. Um, swag, I'm happy to announce that we have some swag coming up. Um, <laughs> Uh, we have uh, I Hard My Gem Cutter Buttons, uh, proud parent of a gem cutter. Uh, it's also weird because I'm laughing at myself in the basement here. Uh, <laughs> uh, world's best gem cutter muscle tees, you know, if you got to get out there. Comes in uh, women's sizes as well. And finally, uh, my favorite, trust me, I'm a gem cutter mouse pad. Uh, i got to get one of these to fly off the shelves. We're not doing any of these, don't worry. Um, what's most important for the future of RubyGems, going back to a serious talk, is uh, you. So um, if you go to this bit.ly link slash rgnation, I was stealing off, I was doing this talk at RubyNation, um, but that's just a good URL general. Um, this goes to our contributor guide. So the contributor guide uh, for RubyGems.org helps you set up the Rails app. So I think that's kind of step one. Um, 
is if you're interested in working on the site, it's a Rails app. It's just like any other Rails app. It's got models, it's got a database, it's got views, it's got CSS, it's got a little bit of JavaScript, not that much JavaScript um, on purpose. Um, so this is a thing that uh, I would love for more people to work on. And what I'm going to talk about here is a bunch of ideas for things that are being worked on right now, things that are kind of open problems, things that um, I don't know how to fix. Maybe, maybe you do. And um, we're really hoping to get some more people involved. Because this is why I feel like this is part of why it's been a big success is because um, it's worked out where people want to work on this and solve this problem for others. Um, all right, so the first one is stats. So if you go to rubyjones.org slash stats, uh, you see this beautiful graph, which is themed very well for today's Supreme Court decision, um, that, uh, of stats for gems. So here's the topmost gem and going, going down. Um, this is great. This is, looks beautiful, but it's actually wrong. <laughs> uh, and in general, this is really the only stats that we have that's on the website. And um, I think it uses the Google Chart API as well, which has been deprecated for years. So this has been a problem for uh, RubyGems in general. And this is something that I would love help with um, that deserves more than just graphic attention, but also kind of like what could be interesting, like what gems are could be trending today? What gems, um, what are the stats of it? Why did my gems spike on a certain day? Um, there's, this, there's a lot of open-ended questions that we should be able to answer. And we don't really have a good answer for these kinds of things. So this is kind of a thing that I would love help with or ideas about what kind of stats can we show, what's important to you as a gem author, or maybe as someone coming in as a consumer of gems, what does a lot of gem downloads say to you? Does that infer trust that other people are using it? Um, or is it just that one person downloading your own gem a while? Um, there's a lot of open questions like this. Um, I think a lot of other package men sites do a good job of explaining this kind of thing or even saying, providing stats like how many uh, CocoaPods does this, um, how many different apps are using this gem. So there's like stats like that that we could extend the gems to do that we're not really doing yet. So this is kind of an open-ended problem. Uh, one of the things I'm excited to talk about that's getting underway very soon is the Adoption Center. So this is an idea that um, I had with a few other folks that um, there's, there's this issue with RubyGems where um, you might be the maintainer of a gem and you've moved on. You moved on from that gem, you don't know what to do with it anymore. You don't know who, to main, who should maintain it. Maybe you've ignored it and there's a bunch of people that are kind of clamoring like, hey, did you release? Uh, I need help, but turns out the maintainer isn't using it anymore. So the Adoption Center is an idea to kind of help with that process of finding someone else to love a gem, hence the Adoption Center. So the idea is that you as a maintainer would list a gem for adoption. Let's say you're done with the Bananas gem. Uh, I forget, um, my test gem is Ola usually. So let's say you're done with your Ola or Bananas gem, something that you worked on maybe at work, something you worked on maybe in your fair time or any time. Uh, and you want to give it to someone else, but you don't know who, you don't know how to get started with that process. You might not know anyone, you might not be connected. The, the Adoption Center is a way to facilitate communication between uh, you as a maintainer of a gem and someone who would want to take it over. So in theory, it's just like a simple messaging app. And um, you would say, hey, 
I've got a gem who wants to take it over and you'd write up your little pitch about what needs to be done, what you had in mind, and then someone would come in and be like, hey, I can do that, why don't we talk? And then you would talk either through the app or through email or something. So um, this is an idea that we had that I think is ripe for trying out. And I think this, is, this also goes back to the core idea of when things are in Ruby, when we have an API that talk to rubygems.org, we have the ability to kind of experiment with stuff like this. So um, a team from Rails Girls Summer of Code is going to be working on this idea, I believe starting in next week, so in July. Maybe I'm wrong with that. And uh, they're gonna, we're going to try it out. We're going to see what happens. So hopefully we have something at the end of the summer to show everyone in the community uh, this cool idea of the Adoption Center. Uh, if it works out, awesome. We'll have this new spot to, for people to list gems and for people that are new to open source to find projects to work on. And we'll have a way for people that have been maintaining code for years to finally get a chance to be like, someone else help me with this, which for me personally is a big deal. So um, quick digression about uh, the Adoption Center, uh, the Rails girl, Girls. Um, Rails Girls Summer of Code has been really interesting to watch. Um, I, it's been amazing to see the amount of product management that has been going on with it, and especially since it's all dealing with open source code. And uh, we have, especially Ruby Gems, not just uh, coding issues. We also have, as I've been talking about, DevOps, server maintenance, design, uh, documentation. But there's like this level of like project management is something we find so rare, rarely in uh, open source work. So I just wanted to give a quick kudos to the Rails Girls team for kicking butt with that. Okay, mirroring. Uh, mirroring is a thing that is a problem um, that hopefully is getting better. Uh, mirroring uh, Ruby gems in order to get a mirror of the entire repository of gems, um, it's not that easy right now. Um, it basically takes a long time because you have to download every individual one, and every Linux distribution in history laughs at our rate, where we don't follow really any standards. Um, there are gems to help you download all the gems, but they're not that fast. And people have made all sorts of hacks from doing curl, multi-downloads, to uh, helping you distribute gems on a local network. But we don't have a good way of solving this um, right now. Uh, we're hoping, uh, we do maintain mirrors for the gem sources on Ruby Central's part. So we have one in, on the West Coast. We have one, I believe, in Japan. Uh, I believe there's one in Australia, too. I might be wrong about that. Um, I know there's two overseas um, and one here, along with the central one, which is in Amazon S3. So this is a thing that like, I would love to see some more help with. Um, the people that are involved right now in RubyGems have their plates very full. And this is a thing that I feel could fill several people's plates that are new. Um, I would love to see ideas based around torrents, downloading entire archives of gems, and distributing them, them that way. Um, any kind of ideas with this, I think would, it, would, it would be great. Um, this is not a solved problem. There are ways to solve the problem, but uh, it's, time, it's time to try some more ideas, especially as the number of gems increases, especially as we're getting close to uh, three quarters of a million gems and onward and upwards throughout the next several years. So this problem is not going to get any easier. It's going to get more deeper and interesting. Uh, logging. So <laughs> I love this GIF. I hope it's not going to play the whole time. Good. Um, Logging is a, is a fun little problem that we're facing in the future. Um, you may have had this issue at some point in your uh, career, or not. Um, let's say you have a, you're running a server, 
and it logs output at some point. It fills up your disk because it logs too much output, and then you have one of two choices. Uh, usually the choice is you will truncate the logs, or you have a program on every distribution that will manage that for you. Well, if you don't truncate the logs, it will fill up the disk, right? And you, one of the, the other options is you could just turn off logging for the server. That's what we did a few years ago. <laughs> and it uh, turns out it's very difficult to debug problems when you don't have a lot of logs, so you're missing the paper trail. So um, this is obviously an issue, and I'm very glad that we have, a, have several people that are interested in helping us maintain server infrastructure because this is now an even more complicated problem because we're on Amazon Web Services and there's many different servers, and if you don't uh, push all the logs in one place, they can get easily uh, uh, thrown away or missing. So um, this is a thing that they're working on right now is to kind of solidify and centralize logs for all of our stuff and finally turn it all back on full again so we can start debugging problems more thoroughly. So this is a big deal. Um, I wish it was easier. It's not. Uh, whenever you're running things distributed, it's not, it's not easy. But it's a, it's a interesting problem to solve because like almost all of these problems that I'm talking about that are upcoming into the future for Ruby gems. It's something that benefits everyone who's using Ruby, and really anyone who might be using Ruby in the future, too. Uh, speed. I love this kit. Um, speed's a big thing for Ruby gems. Um, if you were following uh, Aaron Patterson, Tender Love, around uh, RailsConf keynote time, uh, he was talking a lot about improving the speed of Ruby gems on your own machine. We have a ton of so if you have a ton of RubyGems installed, RubyGems isn't the fastest. And um, this is a thing that's always being looked at for RubyGems, um, is the speed of it. Um, if you've ever sat there waiting for your foreground alert to finish, right? That's another thing of speed that we've been working on iterating on. If you're installing a gem, getting that information and seeing its dependencies, that's been getting faster and faster over time because we haven't been having speed. So like the speed has been, the speed of RubyGems in total so like the client and the server side has been like a huge problem for the entire community. I can't even imagine the virus that have been as some total for everyone over years. So uh, this is a problem that we're always dealing with, and um, we're constantly iterating on RubyGems. Um, one of the things that I personally am working on is getting a code of conduct and a terms of service in. Um, I finally I have a, a good update on this. Um, I've been talking to the folks behind uh, NPM, and they have a great open source Creative Commons license set of terms for their service that include more business type stuff because they're a business, and RubyGems.org is not. It's a volunteer-run service. So we have some editing to do, but it looks like we could use them as a great base for our terms. And then for our code of conduct, uh, I want to get that in for having discussions on uh, in the mailing list and in in uh, GitHub issues and on our uh, chat channels. So uh, these I think are table stakes now for running anything online. Uh, the terms are way overdue. Uh, we have policies, uh, de facto policies for dealing with gems. Uh, a good example is we don't give ownership up of, of a gem. Um, we have gone to great lengths to contact gem owners, and we will not give it up for you for any reason, really. Um, and code of conduct in general, I feel like these are a great way to encourage 
um, a diverse set of contributors that make a safe space online. And I feel like if you really want to be serious about running a community and setting the standards of the um, of what you expect out of people, you really need one. And it's it's great just as like a guideline of like here's what is or is not acceptable. So I've been really appreciative of code of conducts, especially because um, they just set a great base ground rules that really anyone should fit find reasonable. Let's continue. Um, one of the cool things, and I think uh, our last speaker talked about this, is Bundler's merging with Ruby Gems. Um, actually, today we just saw pull requests come in for um, RubyGems.org to finally get the Bundler API, which is a separate, I believe, Sinatra app um, that runs on Heroku to get merged into the Rails app. Um, so this is a thing that's been happening and probably will continue to happen over the next year or year or two. Um, this is not an easy thing to do. Uh, Ruby Gems is part of the Ruby distribution. So when you're part of that and part and working with the Japanese core team, uh, Japanese and elsewhere core team, um, there's several many people on the core team who are in Japan. Um, you kind of it's kind of slower to get things done because there's a lot of concerns at work. You have to make sure stuff works everywhere on Windows and on every single distribution, and things have to be tested and and vouched for. And um, it just takes a little longer because there's more um, there's more process, and that's a good thing. You don't really want everything to go up super fast. So um, one of the nice things is that Bundler is kind of staying. It's and uh, I think we're going to see this get better over time for people to get up and running quickly with uh, Ruby Gems and Bundler and any new Ruby or Rails stuff that you're doing. Uh, once again, to repeat that pitch, uh, if you're interested in any of these problems, or if you've got a problem in general with Ruby Gems, or maybe not a problem, maybe a compliment, um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you jump to bit.ly slash rgnation, um, or if you just go to github rubygems slash rubygems.org, uh, you'll see our, our contributors guide and our readme. Uh, if you've got any trouble getting set up, if you've got any questions, I'd love to answer them. And I uh, just want to say thanks. Uh, this has been pretty cool. I hope the sound's been been good down here. And uh, that's all I got. All right, we'll go ahead and uh, open it up to questions. And yeah, the sound has been great. Cool. Uh, I think I stopped sharing. Yeah, it looks like you did. Cool. I hope the stressed out slide is the cars merging with each other. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that's kind of terrifying, right? I couldn't imagine. Um, I hope that was a good overview of what's going on. Well, you explained it all real well. I don't see any questions coming in, so. Cool. Yeah, I'd we'll love start this. to wrap up. Yeah, if anyone's got questions oh, or you want to play around with. Oh, sure. I'm not going to fix your gem for you, but you can go for it. I was joking. Oh, I want a Netflix gem that, that plays videos in ASCII on my terminal. Uh, uh, you got it. 
think that would lessen the uh, that would lessen the quality of the video for some movies, but not others. Um, oh, of course it exists. I'm called Golden Retriever. There's gems with all sorts of names now. It's kind of funny given I was rejected originally, um, but I think that's I think we're gonna see a good influx of people once we get that adoption center out. Um, an influx of people that finally they've realized like maybe someone else is looking for help. Uh, okay, this is a. I see the long one, and it looks like I gotta make this window a little bigger. Oh, there we go. Cool. So, what kind of details do we have in the stats? Um, I believe uh, the way we track stats right now, uh, which I'm like 90% sure about this, is um, oh, screen's moving around. Um, so, we don't have a way of separating those two right now. Um, when you download a gem, um, it hits URL like slash gems and then like the name of the file. So it would be like Rails dash 4.2.1 dot gem or whatever gem you required. Um, and when you hit that, that will increment a counter in Redis for the num the gem in total, the, the version of the gem and uh, the total count of gems. So like we don't have a way right now of kind of giving the context of things, um, I, to my knowledge. It would be cool from Bundler's perspective, because this is usually how it happens, of saying, like, uh, maybe sending a header and saying, like, hey, this is in my gem file. This one is not. Uh, this one is, and this one is not. It's basically like a little metadata chunk, and then we can start tracking stuff. Um, we don't really have, there's not really referral information, right, as well, like there would be with a, with a website. So we can't say, oh, this was, you were referred to this gem by these dependencies and whatnot. Um, that would be cool. Uh, one of the things that, I, now that you're reminding me, uh, I, I want to push for as we get Bundler stuff merged back into the main Rails code base is tracking these kinds of downloads. So we could say, like, hey, what is, um, what is Bundler requesting? What's the most popular gems we're seeing resolved today, this week, this month? Um, it would be cool as well to like inform on known security vulnerabilities. So say like, uh, you should be requesting this version of I don't know, uh, Rack because it's really bad. That's like you got a security vulnerability. And that one you probably shouldn't be asking for that one or downloading it. So maybe that would be a cool thing. That would be cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I hope that helps answer answer that question. Um, we have a lot of work to do with stats. Uh, stats kind of, I started them. Um, originally, they were like in a table uh, for Postgres. It's not a good way to track stats. So Redis came along, and that's been a great way to track stats. Uh, but I, of course, made some critical errors in how we track things in Redis and inflated Redis's memory. So um, um, I'm not too 100% clear on the current status, but I do know we really we have detailed data for all the downloads per version in RubyGem and obviously total. Um, going forward, though, I would love to see more. I think we're in a position now where we can track more things because we have a, a really dedicated set of people that are interested in ops infrastructure. So if you came with a proposal of like, I track this stuff, uh, and here's what like the questions I want to answer. Like I would love to see that kind of thing happen.
Um, that would be neat. Uh, for the adoption center, so our, the idea is um, we would have a badge like Travis perhaps does, or um, any of those badger services that we would embed on the gem page. So it would say like up for adoption or not up for adoption. So um, maybe that'd be a workflow to bug someone for it. Um, I'll think about I'll think about that a little worried more about. Um, the other side of the scenario, which is like you're, you want to give a gem up for adoption, not so much like, hey, I want that thing, um, but really, I mean, both are valid use cases, so uh, I'll bring that up for sure. We have a lot of ideas flying around. Um, the team came up with their own, like we have our own little list of requirements that are uh, open to the public to see. They're on the, the RubyGems discussion channel, and we basically took those and gave them to the Rails Girls team, and were like, what do you think about all these? And they came up, their, with, up with their own plan. And um, I think the theory is that uh, me and another person from the RubyGems team, Benjamin, uh, we're going to look at uh, what their plan is, give them some feedback, and hopefully come up with something cool. So this is something that I'm not used to doing in, in open source, so that's going to be fun, is to kind of have like this list of predefined problems to attack, but uh, it, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited to see what will happen. For it. And if it doesn't end up working out, well, okay. But I think it, I think it will. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on it right now, just because the idea is kind of, it makes so much sense. But it's kind of the fun thing about ideas, right? It's good on paper. Cool. Um, reporting quality of gem versions. Uh, yeah, I see this a lot. Um, so you've got a gem, or you're dealing with a gem, and it's like kind of out of date. I'm sure there's like 100 forks on it. Um, and there might be a few GitHub issues where it's like, oh, this is broken, but if you use this version, this fork, problem solved. Um, this is something we don't do well. Um, Ruby Toolbox, that, that site does a good job of rating and ranking and tagging, especially, of gems. Um, Historically, I've been against kind of features. My theory, now that I just talked about the history, uh, I'm worried that like it's going to turn into um, Ruby Forge eventually. Like we're we are diverting the path from strictly publishing and providing information to like kind of giving more uh, ranking systems and kind of corollary metadata about what's going on. So like my theory is like if we do that, if we go in that direction, like that's the path to to feature bloat, <laughs> which I'm worried about. Um, but I think some things have been positive. Uh, recently, I've seen uh, CocoaPods do a great job. And maybe it's just because I'm writing Swift almost every day now. Um, CocoaPods does a really good job of like tagging and rele relevancy, especially with search. So we're way behind in that. It's kind of awful to find Ruby gem, like Ruby gems by like kind of task. Like, could you imagine if you could say like I need to attach files and then like all the things like attach files came up. Um, or like attack a problem like, hey, I need to output console stuff better. And you get Highline and all those other cool Thor and all the other cool libraries help with that. So like I think we have a good we have a lot of a lot of work to do with that kind of thing. Um, ranking I'm I'm still not convinced about. I don't know what I, I feel like people would game it. Um, I'm kind of worried about about that kind of approach. Um, I'm also worried about, uh, and this, this kind of goes into the same thing, right, it's subjective. Um, I've had many people have suggested, well, why aren't there comments 
Um, I want to leave comments. Everyone always wants to leave comments. Um, one of the hardest, hardest things is always like, I don't want, especially as a maintainer, another place to look for stuff for problems, right? I want, and people are usually very sensitive about this, right? They're trolling, right? Like, uh, I want to have like, if you need an issue, go to the issue list or email me, whatever. Just please like follow, try to follow the procedure a little bit, <laughs> or bug me on Twitter if you want, or email. Like, people usually have like, here's how we want to be notified of issues, and um, part of I think ranking systems, right? Um, part of ranking systems in general is like you're making another place that me as a maintainer I need to look at. And it makes me as a maintainer look crappy when I'm not paying attention to that stream. But in reality, I may have not even signed up for that. Like I didn't ask to get issues there. So I don't want to be that. Um, I don't want to be that, that kind of uh, host, I guess. Is I don't want to be, I don't want to provide yet another place. That is also the path to, to, to the feature bloating. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of I'm bearish on ranking and commenting and that kind of stuff, but I'm bullish on a better way of categorizing and providing more metadata about gems. Uh, one of the nice things I'm going to keep, I still have time, right? Yeah. Um, good. Okay. Let's uh, Jake. Um, Hours going. Oh, one of the things in RubyGems 2.0, which 2.0 has been out for a while, is it added a metadata spec, a metadata the gem spec. So there's just a hash that you can fill with whatever you want in the gem spec. So you can say, like, uh, we could have a list of tags there. We could have a list of, like, categories. We could do anything in there and let people kind of self-organize it, and then the RubyGems.org interface exposes it. But we haven't, we haven't done any of that yet. Um, that would also tie into like if it's a plugin or a, or I don't know what Rota is. You know, I'm, I'm far behind. Um, so you could see like, hey, this is a that's another thing the metadata could be useful for, and we we could have like a like a in the, the spec a list of like here's the tags and here's the things that will show information on uh, on RubyGems.org. Um, not fully following the namespace gem names. Um, so that's kind of, I think if it's the problem I'm thinking about, um, oops. Um, yeah, we would search off metadata. So um, for namespace gem names, that's been a kind of historical problem of like, you have a version of Rails, I have a version of Rails. Or what's a better, yeah, that's, probably, that's a good enough example. Um, I want to, like, I have features in mind that you don't have. Like, how do you require one version? And RubyGems, like, historically is kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do. And just you, you trust that, like, the names are centralized and there's only one of them ever. Um, I've gone back and forth about different ways of, like, maybe we could have, like, um, kind of a more constellation approach to publishing gems where um, you as a maintainer or you as a company would be able to publish your own maybe subdomain of gems. So like I could have uh, basecamp.rubygems.org and we would publish gems that we sign and verify to there, to there and then you would have a way of requiring that in. But uh, nothing's ever really come light of those kind, kind of like just more distributed ideas. Um, that would be neat though. Uh, 
there's a lot even I mentioned that in the U part dev signing and certificates. That's a whole mess of unknown, uh, open-ended problems um, that a lot of other distribution sites, especially Linux, have just down and are laughing at us about that we don't sign anything. So that's another problem if you're interested in. It would be good to have some perspective about that. Um, apparently, there's a PR for metadata to use as a source. Yes. Exactly. Um, but like all things, that probably needs like a spec in a way to update it later. And yeah, that, it would be cool to see the metadata used more. Um, the theory was that we would, and of course, time and the volunteer run services is always uh, sm small. Uh, private gems. Um, so I'm not in the business of hosting Ruby gems. Um, I don't want to be in that business, um, personally. Um, there are others who, who might. Uh, I, I personally, I have nothing against people running businesses like that. I think Gem Fury, uh, well, I think there's another one, Gymnasium. No, that's something else. Um, good for them. That's great. Uh, I, I think as in the way that Ruby Central and um, the existing team of people that work with RubyGems is structured. I don't really foresee that happening, um, nor would I want to see it happen. Um, I joke sometimes with my wife that if I had a dollar for every gem pushed, I would be a much richer man. But like that's not my that's not my goal here. Uh, the goal here is to provide an awesome place for the community to like kind of grow and to um, not be that have that profitable mindset for this open source project. Um, I, I guess that's my feeling about it. Um, I'm, I'm surprised at this point there's not a more solid way for someone to do this, um, especially given that NPM is definitely building a solid business out of it. Um, but at the same time, I'm glad that this service is on the same path that they have, just like they've taken money, it's a business. I don't know what would happen. Like this is a great example. Like let's say we take money or we start offering things. Like well, what happens if we go out of business? What like what happens then? <laughs> like, what happens to all the Ruby gems? So there's a lot of like weird openings that like it's gonna be really interesting to watch NPM uh, and see what they do. In all theory, right, right, like, it's got a fork. Yeah. Well, we're at the end of our time. Any last-minute questions, folks? I don't see anyone typing. So we'll cool. wrap this up. Thank you, Nick. Thanks. Um, thank you, and to the rest of the contributors to rubygems.org and uh, to Eric and the folks that contribute to RubyGems as well. We'll, we'll go ahead and wrap people. this up. Thank you. Yeah, you do. You work with great people. Um, we're going to wrap this up. Um, I hope you all have enjoyed the conference. Uh, we will be sending around a survey uh, just to kind of see where people are at, what you liked, what you didn't. This is the only the only the second time I've done this, so it's still kind of experimental. Um, you know, conferences and speakers are kind of well understood, but some of the dynamics where you're not actually going to a venue, um, we're not providing you lunch, things like that. Um, you know, what, what's enough, what's too much, what's not enough, how much should we charge, all that stuff is stuff that I'm still figuring out. So um, anyway, I'm hoping that this it does help people who can't uh, 
can't travel or, you know, otherwise. Um, the same for the speakers. We kind of get a good mix of speakers because they don't have to travel. So uh, anyway, big thanks to our speakers. Big thanks to our sponsor. Um, go check out Hire.com, Hire.com slash Ruby Remote Comp. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, put out the videos in the forum. And if you have any other questions or comments for Nick, um, you know, hopefully he'll check in there and I'll email him if he doesn't um, and let him know that you have questions. And uh, yeah, um, I'll let you know when the next conference is and what I'm up to. So thanks again.